You are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit AaronDonnelly.com. And now, the show that only thinks it's funny, the Think Funny Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Think Funny Podcast, This Week in History Edition. This is Aaron Donnelly. I am here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hi, guys. So how's everybody's week? Anybody have anything interesting in their week? Well, I had a funny court case that I read about. It's, it's tragic because it involves the murder uh, of a 13-year-old. Uh, but what's funny is, I should say funny, it, w- it was unusual <laughs> Uh, are the circumstances that led up to that, not the actual crime itself, but what caused him, what caused the dad to get so angry? Allegedly, there were some pictures taken that his son uh, found and brought him up to his dad. Uh, there were pictures of him in a diaper, the dad eating feces out of another diaper. What? what? This came up in the court in the trial? This is what this is what happened. He he got evidently he uh, got so angry that his son found these pictures. You know that he uh, killed him. You imagine somebody doing that horrific thing. Right. Uh, but but what's worse is probably eating feces out of a out of a diaper. Um, yeah. So in a diaper, it's very meta. <laughs> yeah, in a diaper. <laughs> well, wearing diaper. a diaper. Did he well, kill him in a diaper? <laughs> and, the fu- and the funny thing is he took pictures of it so he, he was like proud of it or maybe he wanted to be like hey baby he put it in the family photo album if he didn't want people to see it <laughs> it's like a trip to Idaho dad in a diaper <laughs> eating feces one thing I, wa- I did want to bring up and I thought about it during the pandemic a lot is there's a phenomenon now that now that everybody was working on Zoom and it happens when someone inevitably someone is late to the zoom call and they feel the need to like apologize and explain why they're a couple minutes late it just takes up more time because i think people are annoyed because they're like well we're all working at home you know why the hell are you two minutes late you know and then they feel that pressure and they feel the need to apologize for it it's a whole thing but i would like to establish an etiquette where like you don't explain why but like you just do something that lets people know that you're sorry like walk your fingers across the screen with cross eyes that would suffice something like this we need to introduce because it's a new it's a new social thing you should let him get midway into the apology and then on screen so everybody can see you just slowly move your finger up to their lips like to go <laughs> It's so. the same people that call into work with an excuse. Like the longer the excuse, the more fake it is. That's the formula mm-hmm. every time. If it's, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling good today. All right, totally believable. If it's, well, okay, my cousin's wife broke down in Marion and she's got a spare tire. The tires in Iowa City and it's not the right size. So <laughs> the one guy, the one time, it was like a 10 minute story. And I'm like, I didn't even pay attention to the last nine minutes of that story. The thing that I've become uh, obsessed with lately is, I don't know if you guys have like direct TV, but like in the upper 200s, there's like a channel called like Cutlery Corner or something. It's like knives. It's really cheaply made knives. And that's all the channel sells. And late at night when I'm laying in bed, like 
my wife will fall asleep and I'll switch it to Cutlery Corner. I cannot stop watching this show. I have no interest in these knives. It's like samurai swords and the cheapest, crappiest. Like when Aaron said carnies last week, these guys are probably ex-carnies that started this Cutlery Corner and they're showing these knives and like showing them in the light and moving them around and they're telling you how much profit you can make if you resell them and in my mind now, I've developed complete lives and backstories of these guys that host Cutlery Corner. I only get to see him for this hour, so I make up the other 23 hours of the day of that guy. And I just love doing that because I've created a whole universe of like where he goes afterwards. Like, uh, you know, he tried to go to community college and things just didn't work out. And right. I'm like, I've spent a lot of mental real estate into thinking about like a made up universe. It's like fan fiction for the cutlery corner guys. Probably like a lot of them are chefs, like, like, but not at a nice restaurant, like at a assisted living home or something. Yeah. They're an executive. They're the sous chef at Denny's. (laughs) So they're trying to get people to resell. Yeah, so it's it's like you buy this, you buy this lot. Usually they sell things in a lot of it's like, uh, 50 or a hundred different swords and knives. And the gimmick is you're supposed to go out and you can resell it for this triple or quadruple your money thing. I don't know. I've just developed like an obsession with these, uh, fellows from cutlery corner. What makes them tick? They make a man like me who doesn't want a knife, want a knife. So they're doing their job. That's your kryptonite. Nate is get rich quick. Is some kind of it scheme. I, I'm trying. I'm going to be the guy that's successful buying a lot of 700 samurai swords. <laughs> the one guy to pull it off <laughs> with an American eagle holding a flag and an AK-47 in the other claw. You're so, going to be yep. the guy that has the tractor trailer in his backyard locked up and it's full of samurai swords. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to and I have to explain to everybody that comes over to the house. They're like. Oh, what's in the trailer? I'm like, 699 samurai swords. This week in history, we are covering the dates of September 5th to September 11th. This week in history. September the 5th. I got a lot of Gerald Ford in my days this this week for some reason. (laughs) A squeaky from uh, of the Manson family attempts to assassinate President Ford September 5th, 1975. She got to within like an arm's length of, of Ford uh, on the California State Capitol building. And she tried to shoot him, but the gun failed to fire. And then she was brought down. So, and then when they found the gun, there was no bullet in the chamber, but there was, you know, other, it was loaded otherwise. So she actually claims that she ejected the bullet before uh, going and it was actually there was a bullet that was found in her bathroom um but anyway she's she's basically crazy right she's a, a manson family member uh she spent 34 years in prison uh was released in 2009 uh, she lives in new york state and with, with a house decorated with skulls and in 2019 she said about charles manson that she was in love with charlie and still is it's interesting on the on the ford front was that uh, two weeks later, he was. There was another assassination attempt by a woman on uh, President Ford. Sarah Jane Moore, unrelated, um, uh, tried to assassinate him as well. And she is also crazy. Um, unrelated. So. That'd be awesome. If it was like his aunt. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. No, I mean like unrelated to Squeaky From. Um, Squeaky From uh, is a really fascinating sort of character. She, as a child, performed in a dance group um, which toured the United States and Europe in the fifties and appeared on the Lawrence Welk Show and the and and performed at the White House. Uh, she got mixed up in drugs. Her parents kicked her out of the house. So she was sitting on the curb in Venice, California, when a bus pulls up, uh, releasing inmates uh, from prison. And Charles Manson uh, hops off the bus, having just gotten out of prison. And he, he looks over and he says, your parents kicked you out, didn't they? At uh, Squeaky From. And she thought that he was a psychic uh, because that's exactly what happened to her. So she got up. Uh, and started following him and uh, became the uh, second member of the Manson family. So um, I think, you know, whenever I see the Manson girls, they always call them the Manson girls, like in the pictures and stuff, what they really need is a good, uh, you know, like when your mom licks a napkin and rubs your face really hard with it. I don't know how else to describe the look other than grime. <laughs> so that's what they need is a good hard rub. Where did the nickname squeaky come from? Does it say? Well, the creepy old man that lived at, that owned Spawn Ranch and let the, them live there so he could sleep with the girls, he said that she squeaked whenever he touched her. So, so oh, it's uh, wish it's I didn't yeah. Ask. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish you didn't ask. <laughs> also, I have uh, Mother Teresa uh, dies September 5th, 1997. She was born in 1910. And the most fascinating thing to me is that she was only 87 when she died because she looks like a solid 287. Um, so I was surprised by that, taken aback. Um, there's a lot of controversy over Mother Teresa too nowadays, or, or since her death. So there's a lot of criticism of her. Actually, she was she was a sainthood, uh, a sainted by the Pope uh, two years after she died. But so the criticism is that her clinics received like, you know, tens of millions of dollars a year in donations, but they lacked like basic medical technologies and hygiene. Like, like they would take dirty needles and just rinse them with tap water and reuse them. Their rooms are full of cots. They didn't give people like sufficient pain medicine. And so she got a reputation and even by like her own admission, like the sort of the, the modus operandi of those, of her missions was like that pain is not a bad thing and that suffering of poor people brings them and the world closer to Christ in some way. So there's like a sadist sort of criticism of her. She also aligned herself with some shady dictators. <laughs> um, the family that ran Haiti, she would take their donations and allow them to use like her name and be associated with her. And she wouldn't criticize them publicly. Uh, or hold them accountable for like the heinous things they were doing. What did she do with all that money then? Did she like have a like alligator boots and a Gucci belt? And <laughs> I don't think like, she did. But for you, pain is good. She had a gambling problem. <laughs> so I have read that. So the, all the money went into the Vatican Bank, and in her under her uh, name, there's reports that there's even like billions of dollars under her name. Uh, Apparently she didn't do anything with the money. That was the problem. Like she didn't do anything with it when she could have to help these people. So, so I also did some more research on the dark web. I found that every morning she would come into work and park right on the line. So it messes with the cars in between. Go to back wheel. It's crooked the whole, the, and it causes a, a chain reaction. And the other sisters would uh, call her on it. 
And she would say it was because of her osteoporosis. She couldn't turn and they'd be like, cut the crap. We all have osteoporosis, stuff like that. I can't picture Mother Teresa driving a car. She Uh, seems like a a lady that would walk. Yeah, this is a... This is my own uh, research. I'm not sure how. (laughs) September the 6th. First thing I had was in 1522, there's something that uh, the flat earthers don't want you to know about. Uh, But that's uh, the Magellan's uh, ship uh, returned from (coughs) Servanabit. I can't say it. Circumnavigating the globe. They went around the world. So, oh, um, okay. Yeah, 1522. Uh, actually, they, they sailed across. They hit a big ice wall, and they couldn't go any further, so they had to, they had to go back. So uh, th- that's what the flat earthers would tell you. Oh. Um, Have you seen they, the pictures of the ice wall? No, I haven't. So I've researched. I, I do. Let me just state i think it's absolutely ridiculous the flat earth thing but, but you have seen, you ever considered it nate of course i've considered it i'll consider <laughs> aliens coming out of my ass because it's okay. it's interesting to think about things but have you yeah. seen the pictures of the ice wall that they've obviously cropped and faked and yeah. that's what they rely on is oh it, it goes around the whole earth and i'm just like okay yeah but i think matt they started by they were trying to circumcise the globe and they, they did a few islands, and then they're just like, uh, I don't know if this is a good idea. People don't seem to like this too much, so <laughs> we'll just circumnavigate the globe instead. What about Marco Polo? What did he do besides the uh, game in the pool? He had something to do with the trade route. He like went to okay. India, I think, and all right, went to the oh, far okay. and got some spices, was involved in the spice trade. So well, I, I understand. I've never understood why that was such a big deal. It does feel like spices were a big deal. Yeah. Like economies were based on spices. I mean, but um, once you discover a good spice, it is a little exciting. Uh, rosemary discovered it on steak. Good stuff. 1899, Carnation first introduces its canned evaporated milk. Evaporated milk, I think, is up there with dillweed, Nate. And that, uh, you know, it's, on, it's in everybody's cupboard, but you really don't know why it's there. Does it still exist? Good question. I looked it up, and it does. Yeah, for baking huh. purposes. And I don't understand it. Is that am I dumb for not understanding what it what its you, purpose is? How do you get it? Do you boil it, and it's like the remainder after the water is boiled? I, I don't know. This must be their proprietary um, method of evaporation. And I'm thinking, well, why don't they evaporate more stuff that you just add water to? Um, yeah, there's no like evaporated carrot juice. There we go. Yeah. There's a business idea. <laughs> 1995 uh, is when Cal Ripken broke uh, Lou Gehrig's record of uh, 2,130 straight games. I was kind of like, yay, you know, you get the award for perfect attendance. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, it, it was important at the time. Um, yeah, it was a big those, deal. It was a big deal at the time. And I think because baseball needed something like that as a strike is what people were saying about that. Um, but it's like, it's like one of those things, like if you're at a, you know, a elementary school or, um, middle school graduation, somebody got the perfect attendance award. I was the only one in my eighth grade graduating class that was perfect attendance, no tardies all three years. And, uh, the Iron Man. (laughs) I had the flu one day and I had to go to them and they, the 
teacher sent me to the nurses and it was in eighth grade. And I remember I was at the nurse, nurse's office and they were like, you need to go home. Like you need to go home. And I sat up like halfway and I was like, wait, is this going to ruin my perfect attendance record? <laughs> and she said, no. And I like collapsed back onto the cot. So that was a, so he, 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 I think Ripken kept that streak alive just to stay away from his wife. Cause, uh, there's a the long rumor that his wife was messing around with Kevin Costner for many years. Really? So that's a rumor I've always uh, entertained is that, and apparently yeah. those two had a big like fist fight one time, Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken. That'd be a fun thing to watch. It would be. They seem similar. They guys. do. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely has a type. Oh. Yeah. Just throwing that unfounded rumor out there. <laughs> September the 7th. 1978, the infamous Umbrella Assassination. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bulgarian dissident uh, Georgi Markov was waiting for a bus and was stabbed with an umbrella that inserted a ricin filled pellet. He died mm. several days later. It was believed that the KGB was behind this plot. Uh, the ricin pellet had holes filled with a sugary substance to hold the ricin in. The substance melted at body temperature, allowing the ricin to leak out after the pellet was inserted. I've heard I'm about this. I'm surprised that we know about this and that we know about the other KGB where it was like a little bit in the guy's tea or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. How do we know about those? It seems like something that would happen all the time, more than just those. I bet this stuff does happen all the time, and we yeah. just they just have more... Not not to start another conspiracy thing, but, you know, supposedly like the CIA CIA has a heart attack gun, Mm. which I know sounds ridiculous, but apparently it's a device that can be aimed in a certain direction and cause a person to have a heart attack. Right. Well, there was some in in the news recently, there was sound attack stuff at the the White House. Mm Mm-hmm. No, at the White House, oh, right? Oh, at the White it's House. Happened. No, I didn't hear that. In the last couple of months, there's been a couple of, like, they don't know how, they're they're not releasing what it is, but there's was some it a kind Jimmy of a Buffett sound. concert? <laughs> or the Eagles. It's got to be one of the two. <laughs> Someone was playing the Eagles. Uh, kill, everyone in a, kill everyone in a 10-mile radius. Same year, September 7th, 1978, one of my favorite musicians, Keith Moon, dies. The 32-year-old drummer from The Who, Keith Moon, dies of an overdose of 32, a word I can't pronounce, uh, tablet. Some sort of uh, over-the-counter drug, I believe. He was taking the sedative uh, to alleviate his alcohol (laughs) withdrawal symptoms and was trying to get sober. Uh, He was not supposed to take any more than three a day, so he basically had... 11 times the daily dose right but very sad keith moon is an amazing drummer uh anybody that's listening that is doubting how good keith moon is listen to the who live at leeds probably the greatest live album ever it was sad especially the fact that he was trying to uh you know kick alcohol he died at 32 in the same apartment that mama cass elliott died in four years earlier who is also 32. Same ham sandwich. Same ham, it's, this, it's the ham sandwich killer. Is it the same sandwich? That's what we don't know. No, it's the same so one. It's a, conspir- it's a conspiracy I have. <laughs> I'm, I'm developing it. September 7th, 1921, uh, the first Miss America pageant. It was called the Inner City <laughs> Beauty Pageant. Uh, it was won by 16-year-old Margaret Gorman. Uh, she was from Washington, D.C. Uh, the contestants were judged... Uh, 
on a formula of 50% audience applause, which I don't know how you measure. <laughs> and 50% yeah, you just have a guy hold his arm up and then he kind of waves on, it back and pump, forth. Pump yeah. it up. And 50% uh, judge's decision. After a day of mingling with the contestants, a newspaperman coined the term Miss America for the winner. And the following year, it became known as the Miss America pageant. Uh, Gorman was declared the first Miss America. She was the youngest winner ever at 16. And it's got her measurements in here for some reason, which I don't find pertinent. But <laughs> there's a picture, which I find funny because they're like fully clothed, like uh, head to toe, like just a little bit of ankle showing. So uh, a little bit different than how, the Trump era ones. So, Oh, yeah. But imagine how restricted. Like they have these crazy restrictions on them that are like totally outdated. Imagine back in the twenties and it was just accepted. Like they had to, they always had to be with a chaperone and, and, uh, couldn't be married. And you're not trying to vote, like are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, I was just thinking about that. Even when we were kids, the Miss America pageant was something that people, it was a known thing to watch. Like, mm like the Super Bowl or like the Oscars or something like people scheduled yeah. it and watched it as a family. Like it was that, a thing, but you got to think about the last few years and how the world is now. That sort of yeah. thing is just out of vogue, you know, yeah. like judging yeah. someone presumably mostly on their looks, you know? Yeah. yeah it's really stupid. Um, I don't know. And the fact that Trump owned it, I mean, no, I mean, that's all. Ha- have it be, a good mixture of a lot of different things. Let looks be a part of it. I have no really? problem. Yeah. I have no problem with that being a part of the equation, but oh, let that just I, be, I think, let that be a part of the equation. Let there be. I think that's cave Manny. I think that's, we're past that. Don't you yeah. think? I don't, know. I don't want it to be some freaking gargoyle. I mean, you don't want an ugly, you don't want an ugly Miss America. No, not really. You know, you know, unless she's, I mean, unless she's kicking ass in the talent portion, like if she can play Jimi Hendrix with her toes or something. I mean, that's weird. That's an interesting thing. It's like you can't acknowledge uh, the competition of beauty, and yet we live in a world where it definitely is a part of everyday life. I think as a, I think that's like what do we what do we strive towards as a society? Like what do we condone with our entertainment and. That just seems like I don't know, to me something that needs to go away. But um, but Nate doesn't want to live in a world where we have a gargoyle, Miss America. <laughs> you can use that as a tagline too. I'll stand behind that. September the eighth, nineteen sixty, the release of Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's classic thriller. Uh, it was his most financially successful film. He paid for it most sixty uh, percent himself. It had a budget of eight eight hundred thousand. It made over thirty two million on its initial release. So, uh, Psycho uh, changed the way move basically changed the movie industry. Not only was it innovative in its direction and everything, but due to the nature of the twist at the end, um, Hitchcock insisted that uh, things are changed in the way that people uh, attend movies. So before that, basically the the theater would have one movie, they would play it over and over and over all day long, and you would just buy a ticket for whenever, and you would just walk in halfway through and sit down and watch the end of the movie and then the beginning of the movie. And that's how people used to watch movies. But Psycho, he had to put up a bunch of signs and insist and put his foot down that no one is allowed in after the start time. They actually had a start time. 
And the theater owners were, they protested this because they thought it was going to reduce revenue if they shifted to this. But what happened was there were lines around the block uh, waiting for the start times. And so uh, since then, you know, movies shifted to actually having start times. But I thought, I thought that was just a crazy thing to, that it was accepted just to walk in at the middle of any movie. I guess maybe people didn't view movies as like serious works maybe or or something and it was sort of a casual thing to go in and out of i I don't know i couldn't walk halfway into a movie unless it was like a transformers movie yeah but like i would want to know like well what 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 set up this what happened here especially there was no way of them watching it later on dvd or anything it's I don't understand it, but it was the first time uh, also that a toilet was shown flushing in, in a movie. That character, Janet Lee's character, flushes a note down the toilet at the beginning of the movie. And then it was like a two-flusher, like she couldn't get it to go down. <laughs> it and, then, handle. and then she has to like go get a yardstick and break it up, and then she has to go yeah. get a plunger. Like It's a way too long. Like It's 15 minutes of her just trying to undo the toilet. Hitchcock became obsessed and, and it refused to take it out, even though it, the it dragged the movie down. 1642. Okay. Pilgrim teenager Thomas Grounger is the first adolescent to be put to death in the New World. He was hanged for having sex with a turkey. (laughs) 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 More technically, he confessed, uh, this is the official confession, to buggery with a mare, a cow, two goats, various sheep, two calves, and a turkey. I love how it's various sheep. It's like, hey, they have names, damn it. <laughs> and uh, was it all uh, in a row? <laughs> That'd be awesome. And this is this is the best part. He was Grounder was forced to watch while the animals were slaughtered and their bodies destroyed uh, before he was hanged. Uh, can you imagine him bringing out like? There's like the the mare and the cow, two goats, and there's like 300 sheep like lined up. Uh, but I also thought it'd be awesome, like if you're doing research and you found out that your family was like one of the first settlers in America, or like on the Mayflower, and then the asterisk is you were from the line of Thomas Grounder. How'd you? Anyway, how'd your family funny. get the last name Turkey Bleeper? <laughs> President Ford again. Uh, pardons Nixon, September 8th, 1974. So he gave a full pardon to uh, Nixon for any crimes he's com- he committed while president. So during the, at the time, it was very controversial. Ford even admitted that um, it probably cost him re-election or election, I guess. But since then, a lot of historians have sort of gotten on board and said that he did the right thing by pardoning Nixon. And the interesting thing, I guess, now is that obviously Trump is under a lot of legal battles and it could come to a situation where where you know Biden has stated that he will not pardon Trump. So, I don't know, it might, this discussion might come up again. Mm-hmm. Ford actually he used his part the basis of his pardon on a 1915 um Supreme Court judgment and he kept that printout of the judgment in his wallet the rest of his life, I guess, uh, Ford as justification for what he did. Just so. in case anybody asked, he'd fish that out of there. He's like, wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, library card. But uh, what do you guys think? Yes, do you guys think they should? If so let's say he does get convicted, should Trump and his family be? Should they be pardoned? Well, it would only apply to the federal law. Um, right. Right it's now, it's not those, New York state law, right? Right, and that's the one he's yeah. facing, looking at right now. Uh, and their governor is definitely not going to pardon him. 
Uh, they've been, right. they, they went at it before on Twitter, so they're definitely not going to be any part on that one. So huh. 110% yeah, I mean, chance he won't get uh, convicted of anything. Uh, oh yeah. yeah I, I, they'll never find a jury. They'll never find a jury to convict him. There's no way. Uh, oh, that's right. Too many, too many supporters of Trump. They'll never find a jury. Never. Well, that's, that's the argument, even in some like uh, liberal um, articles that, he should be pardoned because he's never going to get convicted and the pardoning would make him admit to guilt and sort of take away the, the fire that he might have to fire up his base. Like by, by like the witch hunt, I would love to, I would love a reality show. Like if Trump just had to work a normal job and, uh, and there was a 24 hour reality show of him actually working a normal job and living a normal life that to me, would be sufficient. Oh, I would love to watch that. That is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Trump works at Ace Hardware. Graham Cracker died in 1851. Uh, American dietary reformer and cult leader. His followers were called the Grahamites, and uh, he invented the Graham Cracker to get people's mind off of sex. Um, really? He believed in abstinence really? from alcohol, frequent bathing, daily teeth brushing, which I guess isn't that controversial. Uh, vegetarianism. He avoided spices. So, and white bread. Practiced sexual abstinence. He regarded masturbation as an evil that inevitably led to insanity, and taught that animal products such as milk and meat led to lust and sexual urges. So, not a descendant of Charles uh, <laughs> or whatever the guy was, the uh, pilgrim. But yeah, that's the history of the graham cracker. Wow. The guy's name is Graham Cracker. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that. It's like Thomas <laughs> yeah. Crapper. Or Abraham Abraham von Titzling. Is that a real guy? I, Abraham I von Titzling. I don't know. Titzling? I don't know. I hope I hope it is. September the 9th. 1950, uh the Hank McCune show is the first TV show to use a laugh track. Oh, really? Uh, he, um, he was a radio comedian, and uh, he played himself as a variety uh, TV host. Well, it was canceled before the season was even over with. Yeah, introduction of the Laugh Track, 1950. That's a great scene in Annie Hall where they're, doing, they're inserting the Laugh Track yeah. onto the sitcom. And he's like, and they're, they're both like, not enjoying it. He's like, uh, give a little more here. That is a really good movie. Even, yeah. I love Annie Hall. Have you seen the, like the friends videos where they've removed the laughing oh boy. and how awkward it is uh, with the pauses from the actors and stuff. It is, it's really bizarre and it's not fair to the actors. Cause obviously there's sound there that they're hearing, but it's really weird. You should check it out. 1977. This one's for you, Nate, uh, Detroit's, uh, future Hall of Famer Alan Trammell yes. and should be Hall of Famer Lou Whitaker yes. uh, debuted Agreed. together as rookies. Played together for 19 years. Unbelievable. Um, why Lou Whitaker is not in the Hall of Fame? It, if you just really look at the raw stats, it it's there. It's right there with other, especially second baseman is a pretty thin position offensively. Sweet Lou is a excellent, excellent. I mean, to me, not even borderline. To me, definite Hall of Famer. I mean. Is he one of the top, whatever, 10 or no, but Hall of Fame? Like, to me, the way somebody put it that I always think of it is can you tell the story of baseball without X? Like, mm. 
can't tell the story of baseball without Trammell and Whitaker. Like that's right. the combo. So they both belong. Uh, actually, have they... a, I have an Alan Trammell jersey in my office right now. Did you guys know that? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. No. It's, it's game worn. Yeah, that's cool. He's a small man. Wow. I tried. I tried to wear it once, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> it caused me to lose weight. <laughs> so you should just wear it around. Yeah, I, <laughs> real tight. I wore it to the World Series. I wore it to Game One, whatever, two thousand something. Yeah, the Tigers didn't win in '83, right? The Orioles. Did they ever win? And the, the Tiger Town year. '84. '84. Okay, whip the Padres' ass. Yeah. Very good team. And if it wasn't for Magnum PI, I never would have liked them. 1914, the uh, Canadian Automobile Machine Gun Brigade was created. Uh, is the first is a band fully... like a late '60s band? <laughs> that sure sounds like <laughs> yes. it. Uh, the yeah. the machine gun brigade uh, first fully mechanized uh, unit in the British Army. What's interesting is that in uh, 1918, a second brigade was added called the Canadian Cyclist Battalion, made up of 300 <laughs> bicycle infantry. Oh man! <laughs> made up of 300 guys that were about to die at any moment. <laughs> How do you shoot Why? a machine gun and bike at the same time? Oh, man. We got to find some photos of the uh, Canadian bicycle cyclist battalion. Um, that'd be funny. Oh, that's, a very, that's a very Canadian thing. The bicycle yeah. infantry. We want to be good on the environment, you know, with our bikes. <laughs> 300 Canadian bicycle uh, gunners were killed today. and They're like super proud and... Like the general of the army, he's talking to the king of England, and he's like, "Oh yeah, one more thing." There's, uh, and he's like, "Oh god!" <laughs> like, tell him there's a battle in northern Saskatchewan and send him there. I'm just picturing guys yeah. on ten speeds just wildly shooting in all directions because <laughs> they can't control it. September the tenth. September tenth, eighteen ninety-seven. So we're in the blind spot. The world's first drunk driving offense occurs. Uh, it happened in London, England. Uh, 25-year-old London taxi driver George Smith is arrested and convicted that same day. Uh, he had driven his electric cab into a building after having, uh, as he said, a few beers. Uh, he pleaded guilty and was fined 25 shillings. That had to be weird, though, that first. How did the copy? No, I mean, I, I don't. I just got questions. I should have researched the story more, but... I was surprised that it happened in London, but then then I thought about it for a second and then not surprised. It's weird to but, be the first one though, because you're right. I mean, what's the criteria? I mean, he didn't he wouldn't have a breathalyzer on him. This is the fact that he crashed into a wall, or you'd pretty much just have to admit it. Uh, we have a death, uh, September tenth, nineteen eighty three. The world's heaviest human. Uh, the man's name is John Brower Minock. Uh, at his heaviest, he weighed approximately fourteen hundred pounds. At the age of 12, he weighed 294 pounds. He had a medical condition that caused his body to store excess extracellular fluid. Uh, it was estimated that he was retaining over 900 pounds of just water weight or fluid. Uh, during 900? a 16-month hospital stay, he was placed on a 1,200-calorie-a-day diet and lost 924 pounds of the 1,400, lowering his weight to 476. This is the largest known human weight loss ever. After leaving the hospital, his weight increased to 952 pounds over the following year. So it looks like he lived to be about 42. 
but 1400 pounds that's incredible and 900 of it is just like water weight uh just so if he took like one of those water pills he could be peeing for days <laughs> uh that's uh that's just really sad i mean yeah it's one of those r- world records that you don't want to see anybody get september 10th 1970 only person to ever get uh hit by a meteorite <laughs> American meteorite victim, uh, Anne Elizabeth Fowler Hodges. If you got that many names, you definitely live in the South. (laughs) I knew that before I read the rest of the story. Uh, She's the only known person to have been injured by a meteorite strike. Uh, She was struck by a 12-pound, 3-ounce meteorite fragment in Alabama. Whoa, 12 pounds? Yeah, that's that's the part. You know, killer? No, even 3 ounces, I would think. Because think of the speed that's going. So 12 pounds. That'd be like a cannonball. Crashed through a roof of her home. It bounced off a large console radio. Uh, It hit hit Hodges while she was sleeping on the couch. Uh, The the 34-year-old Hodges was badly bruised on uh, one side of her body. But yeah, she she did survive. It'd be awesome if she was like, God, send me a sign (laughs) if I'm not (laughs) supposed to. (laughs) I just loved how you uh, opened up with a meteorite victim. Like it's like that's something you hear all the time. <laughs> oh, another one, Nate. Oh, come on, it's, it's something I've always wondered though, because you know you see people shoot these videos of one going through the sky, and I'm like, there has to be a tiny piece of that that lands somewhere, and it's yeah. somebody yeah. in in recorded history had to be hit by one once. I always wanted to, in a novel or a, or story or something, I want a, a main character to die out of nowhere by a stray bullet that's like completely stray like that's across town someone just kicked open their door and fired a gun and it's totally random and i want it to just happen in a movie or something that's cool i I think about that a lot because you read those stories once in a while uh i read one the other day uh this somebody driving and got killed with a stray bullet just came out of some something happening like you know clear over there so, so yeah. you're saying like you'd you'd fully develop the character so like you know who yes. he is he's he's a fully like he's a main character in a story and then just randomly right. gets killed absolutely wow. random i like that That's yeah as absurd as as it gets i want a character to get killed by a stray cat <laughs> like a member of the stray cats like brian seltzer just randomly <laughs> yeah. shows up out of nowhere and just kills him shivs the guy yeah Hey, was that Brian Seltzer? Did he just kill that guy? No mention of it in the rest of the movie. No explanation. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like my desire to go on a date and meet the girl's family and dressed as a clown with no explanation. <laughs> Not acknowledge it. So yeah, cool. I just came from work. Where do you work? <laughs> Over at the bank. September the 11th. I went to... Um, the fact site, the fact site.com and they had some 9-11 facts um, and I, I did some research and I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of hear some facts that I, I wasn't aware of um, or just some general summary. So uh, 9-11 attacks killed 2,996 people, 400 of which were emergency personnel, firefighters and policemen um, injured people were over 6,000. So the estimated cost of the attacks in infrastructure uh, and property damage was uh, $10 billion. The cleanup cost $750 million. Uh, but the attacks themselves to plan and carry them out cost around $500,000. Um, just before, just six months before the towers were destroyed, a property developer bought 
a 99-year lease on the World Trade Center for $3.2 billion. Um, about So of the victims, I didn't know this, 75 to 80% of the victims were men. Um, if you think about, you know, firefighters, policemen, but also, uh, I guess, potentially, um, you know, the, the types of jobs that were in the, in the World Trade Center uh, finance district and all that or whatever, whatever it is. So um, as of August 2017, only 60% of the victims' remains have been positively identified. So there's 1,113 uh, people who have no uh, biological confirmation of death. Um, after, after the towers fell, 18 people were rescued uh, from the rubble. And the last one was pulled out uh, after 23 hours. Um, so uh, in order to take over the planes, the hijackers were able to easily smuggle in box cutters and knives because the... Uh, that at the time the metal detectors only had a, the sensor was only st- uh, strong enough to pick up like the metal from a gun. Um, it's theorized that the passengers of flight 93 attacked the cockpit with a fire extinguisher. Um, and then obviously when the plane crashed, all the people aboard died. The target of flight 93 still isn't known. Uh, people think it's either it is likely the white house, uh, but could have been the U S Capitol building or the camp David. Uh, presidential retreat. There were numerous occasions to capture Osama bin Laden from 1998, but for various reasons, such as probable uh, civilian casualties, none of the plans were ever fully executed, of course. So the original 93, 1993 bombing of the World Trade Center used a 1,200-pound bomb in the parking garage. It was the intention of that bombing was to damage the foundation of the tower one enough to have it topple into the second tower. And they've done research on this and it it didn't happen because they couldn't get the bomb in the right spot that they wanted it to. Um, It was overcrowded the parking garage. So they said, had it worked, people have done studies on this. It would have brought the towers down, would have brought them down faster than the nine 11 attack and resulted in a higher death toll. After the attacks, it took firefighters 100 days to extinguish the fires. The employee who gave the order to ground all planes after the attacks uh, was named Ben Sliney, and it was his first day on the job. On a normal day at the towers, up to 50,000 employees worked there, and an extra 40,000 people passed through. The National Guard, when Flight 93 was still in the air, it was the only flight, so they as soon as the second tower hit, they started to ground all planes. And the only one that didn't respond with an answer was flight 93. They sent up two pilots uh, in the air. The national guard did. They didn't have, they weren't, the jets weren't armed. And so these pilots knew that if they were able to intercept the jet, the plane, they would have to fly a suicide mission directly into it. That was their job. I didn't know. Um, let's see. New York times did an article on every single nine 11 victim. 200 people jumped from the towers during the event and rather than suicide, their deaths were ruled as homicides at the hands of the terrorists. More than 1,100 people who worked or lived near the World Trade Centers have been diagnosed with cancer due to exposure from toxins from the site. And so that obviously still is uh, continuing on today. I've actually, have you guys been to the site? I've been there. Um, I was there during the construction and then also at that now that it's open, I, I, I went there. The thing that really struck me was how sobering it is, and how like it's like a great. It really does feel like a graveyard, like a 
like it's a real somber, uh, sobering place. Um, the tour guide that gave us the tour, he said that all the all the guides are volunteers, and they all were they all were on site at the event. So this is, you know, 18 years. I think I went maybe 17 years after the event, and they're still volunteering their time to do guided tours of the site. These people. Uh, he was a uh, a policeman, and he told the story of how he saved saved somebody from the building but somebody that was working under him he told him to go this way go a different way and that guy died and even as he's telling this for you know like the, who knows how many times like this is eight, 17 years later he's still choking up and like having a hard time talking about it so he carries that huge weight sort of thing with him and uh, it, I don't know just being there really really is like a very heavy uh, presence anyway it's they're beautiful memorials too um they're really uh, breathtaking so it's uh to think back about how unified the country was you know yeah mm-hmm. just not that long ago two decades ago and now to think where we are now it's kind of sad you know yeah i was talking to jenny there's a weird feeling that you got that you needed to call a family member yeah. even though they weren't connected to it at all just to see if they're okay even though you know yeah. incredibly sad those those people on that flight though they're absolute heroes for doing what they did to try to take back the plane so right um, yep. knowing what you are sacrificing that's incredible um there's a great documentary uh for kids so like my daughter was born in 2002 and i said hey did you we were kind of watching part of it last night. I was like, did you learn much about 9-11 at school? And she said, no, not a lot. You know, they didn't address it a ton. But anyway, there's one on HBO uh, that just came out. It's really good. It's for it's for kids, uh, sort of seven and up, to educate them um, on it. So, Do you know what it's called? It's called What Happened on September 11th. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Think Funny podcast. This Week in History Edition, I'm Matt Donnelly. And for Aaron Donnelly and Nate Sadler, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.